All right. God is doing good things among us and in the world today. He's moving. Um, God is not a static God, but He's constantly moving. He has a plan and He's working His plan. Right? And the, 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 one of the most incredible things is that He invites us into that plan. In fact, not only does He invite us into that plan, but He wants to know what's in your heart that you want to do. He wants to know the desires in your heart. And those desires in your heart dovetail with the desires in His heart as we co-labor together to see His glory come, to see the kingdom come. Is that as remarkable to you as it is to me? Hashtag atomic boom, right? That's incredible. That he wants to know what's in me. And he wants to know the desires of my heart. And see those desires lived out, worked out for his glory and his honor. I felt like the Holy Spirit had said... Uh, the, the word for today was to keep your eyes on the prize. So we're going to get into that, but let me just say a few things, more, I guess, as introductory remarks. There have been many prophetic words given about re revival and harvest. We are going to see a revival in this world, in the United States. We will see an outpouring of God's Spirit that is unprecedented in human history. We will see a harvest of souls. I mean, from different ones that I've heard from different ministries and different pastors and people talk about a billion soul harvest. We will see that. I'm declaring it today along with others. It's going to happen. And you've heard me say here that if, we, if, at least for our country, at least for the, the United States of America, if we do not have a move of God, then our country may not be, be around much longer. We honestly, we need a move of God in our nation. I think we can see that. It doesn't take some kind of prophetic gifting to see that we need God to move. But his promise is that he will move. The fact that we have that desire in our hearts to see him move, like when I say those things, does that, in your heart, does something kind of rise up? Does something in you kind of say, yeah, I want that. I want to see a wave of his glory come to earth that is unprecedented. The fact that, we're, that we desire it means that it's there, that it's coming. God doesn't, he doesn't tease us. He's not going to lead us so far and then just say, ha ha, just joking. Right? That's not him. That's not who God is. It's, this desire is not the perpetual carrot in front of the mule going down the road, you know, the carrot on the stick. That's, that desire is not that way. It will be fulfilled. It will happen. I'm glad that I get to live to be a part of something like that. Amen. I, um, 
one of the promises for us is out of Isaiah 54. And I think, Crystal, didn't I give you that? Isaiah 54, 1 through 3. And let's just look at this. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. That's what we're doing, right? At 302 East Central. <laughs> Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. You know, um, how can I say this? Sometimes when the leader of an organization, um, especially in the church, gets a word, yes, it's a word for that leader, but because of that position that that person occupies, it's a word for the group as well. So let me say this. Some of you are well aware, because I've shared in different, uh, in different Sunday settings, Sherry and I prayed for 10 years before we had our first child, before we had Lincoln. So the, the prophetic on our lives is that we were barren. We tried for a long time to have kids. But the promise is that the children that we have are going to be more numerous than somebody that's been having babies on a regular basis. Right? We are going to see the sons and daughters of God that are birthed in this church go out and establish families throughout the cities and nations of this world. I declare it in the name of Jesus. It's His promise to us. We are going to send out sons and daughters from this church. It could be some of you. To the nations of the world. This is the promise of the Lord to us. That's an example of what I'm talking about. So, God has been speaking to us about those things. And He's also, and here's where I feel the weight of the Spirit on today's message. He's also been talking to us through various messages. I've, I've kind of took a little, in preparation for today, I was kind of thinking back through some of the different messages. But it's been very clear that we need to be ready. We need to be prepared for what He's about to do. I know some time back um, that I, I taught on that scripture out of Luke chapter 12 where Jesus said, be dressed in readiness. Gird your loins for readiness, I think it says in the King Jimmy uh, version. <clears throat> and what, what that literally meant, what they would do, is, you know, even men wore tunics back then. So they had, it was almost like a long dress in a, in a way. But when those men would, if they were uh, getting ready to do some kind of physical manual labor or if they needed to run real quickly, what they would do, would, they would grab the back hem of that tunic and they would pull it up like this and they would get a sash and tie it around so that it really became like almost like shorts, right? Then they could move easier. They could run that was girding up your loins. It's always just fun to say the word loins, but we don't get to say that very often in today's society. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, 
We're free, right? We're Liberty Church. So, so, but that's what they would do. That's what it means. Get ready. Be ready. Be dressed in readiness. Be prepared for what is about to happen because God is going to move. And so I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit resting on that, that word of getting ready. And more recently, we talked about We talked about the freedom of letting go so that we might press ahead to all that God has for us. We need to be living present future, not present past. It's, it's what God has for us. D- does that mean we don't learn from the past? Most certainly we do. We learn from the past. We learn from our past mistakes. We learn from our past successes. But that's not where we live. We're not living there. Even if it's a victory, we're not living there. We're not resting on our laurels. We're pressing ahead. Another word that came to me recently, prophetically, was you've got to let go of the old mantle to take up the new one. That's true for all of us. God is extending something to us, and we've got to let go of some things in order to grab the new thing that God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. And so that's what, we, that's what we need to do. He is currently, this is what I wrote down, He is currently recalibrating our hearts with the message of grace and freedom. If grace and freedom are the atmosphere of heaven, then we must live from that place toward the people and circumstances around us. Remember, grace is the unmerited favor of God. He did for you what you could not do for yourself. But it is also the power of God to do the will of God. So God is reshifting our thinking. I mean, it's been a, a huge shift. I, I hope. <laughs> but it's been a shift in me to see that freedom that He gives us, that He empowers and releases us to be who we're called to be. He doesn't impose, God does not impose Himself on us, typically. (laughs) We have a choice. We have a choice. That is the freedom of grace. And so we, God is changing, He's shifting us. Now listen, now, okay, with that recalibration, this still does not um, dissolve us of our responsibility for the assignment that He's given us. In fact, the assignment that He's given us becomes doable because of the grace and freedom, because of we're united with Him, because we're one with Him, because we've entered into that circle of life and fellowship that the Trinity possesses, that the Father, Son, and Spirit possesses, we have then the ability to do the assignment. The assignment is bigger than any one of us. In fact, it really is bigger than the group of us apart from Him. We've got to have Him. But He doesn't leave us alone. He gives us the power to do that. 
We're called to take the kingdom to the world around us. This is not burdensome because we're not doing it in our own strength, nor are we doing it alone. We have the lion with us, the lion of Judah, and we have one another to be able to do it. All right, so back to, back to this, this word. Those are kind of my introductory remarks. Something's coming, and it's good, and it's big, and it's from God. We've been given words and promises from God, and we've been given an assignment. God has been working in us, and He continues to define the culture that is Liberty Church. As these words come out, as he, begins to, as he continues to speak to us, he's defining who we are. Can I just say one other thing? It's not that you can say no, because I've got the microphone, right? Part of the vision and culture of this is that we become a place that hosts the manifested presence of God. I was just listening to a guy and he was saying that there's been prophetic words that there will be places around the earth in these last days where the, the, the manifested presence of God and His glory will be so real and so tangible that when people walk into that place, into that physical geographical place, that they will instantly be healed. They'll instantly be set free. I know that's a stretch for some, maybe, in your thinking. Maybe not. But I want to I shoot for that. Guys, that means there's something in us that's got to align with all that He has for us okay so keeping our eyes on the prize Jesus kept his eyes focused on the father and on the father's will let's look at a couple of scriptures together Luke chapter 9 Luke 9 verse 51 when the days were approaching for his ascension he was determined to go to Jerusalem. So let me just say this again. So when the days were approaching for his ascension, that means for his death, he was going to die and go and ascend back up to the Father. He knew what was going to happen as he was going to Jerusalem. But look what it says. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. Again, in the, in the King James Version, I want to say it, it says that he set his face like a flint. He was resolute. He was focused on what, God, on what God had called him to do. Jesus did not waver. And we know also that he only did what he saw the Father do. He only said what the Father said. So to me, what that, what that uh, uh, implies is that his focus on a day-to-day -day basis was the Father. His focus was his union with God. His, because apart from that union with God, Jesus would not have been able to do all that he did. He was a fully God, fully man, but he was a man 
dependent on the Holy Spirit to do what he did. He had laid aside, excuse me, he laid aside his deity. So his focus was on the Father and the Father's will. Let's look at another scripture, John 17, 4. I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So this is just hours before his death. And this is out of what's called the high priestly prayer in John 17. And he said, I did it. I've done what you sent me to do. I've kept my focus. I've finished strong. Yeah, I've, I've, done, I've done it, God. I've done it, Father. So, so look at Jesus' life. Relationship first. His relationship to father, his father first. Task second. It's got to be in that order. It has to be in that order. So we too must live our lives with a single eye, with a singular devotion on our Lord. Especially in these days. <laughs> the days that we face. Let's look at Luke 11, 34. Luke 11, 34. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So this word clear again in some versions is single when your eye is single when you're focused on one thing Jesus isn't talking about our physical eyes here he's talking about the eyes of our heart when I looked up that word clear or that word single, it meant this. Sincerity without hypocrisy or self-seeking. It also meant generosity and simplicity. There was, that's why clear or like in my, my study Bible, it, it has an alternate, alternate translation of healthy, if your eye is healthy. So if, our, if our, the eyes of our heart are um, sincere, if we're living our lives without hypocrisy, if we're focused on Him, if there's a, um, a genuine love for Him, then our heart becomes healthy. The eyes of our heart, that inner person, comes into a proper alignment. Maybe that's why it says out of Psalm 86, where the psalmist says, Unite my heart to fear your name. Why would it say to unite our heart except that our hearts can be, our hearts can be divided. Our hearts can be compartmentalized. Our hearts can be segmented. If we stay with that clear theme, let me put it this way. If our hearts 
are not fully focused on Him, then our lives, our souls become murky. We can't see things as they really are. If part of our heart is over here, part of our heart is over there. Jesus also said that a, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And I think that that's true of our hearts. I think that principle is true of our hearts as well. So guys, we are called to live our lives keeping our eyes focused. We're called to live a focused life. Keep our eyes on the prize. So what is the prize? I'm glad you asked. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read several verses out of that. Goodness gracious, I've got too many things up here. Everybody doing okay out there? Philippians chapter 3. As we read this, just listen even to the language that Paul uses and listen to the focus of his life. Remember, we're talking about keeping our eyes the eyes of our heart focused. So listen to this language, starting with verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And just in the verses just prior to this, he listed his basically his credentials. He's talking about all the things that could be counted to his, uh, to his account. So whatever things were gained to me, I've counted those as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, verse 8, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So here he is. All the things that, were, that I could boast in melt in comparison to one thing, and that is knowing Jesus. Verse 10, that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that, I've already, that, that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect or mature 
have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. So a couple of things out of this. What are we to focus on? What is the prize that we're to focus on? First thing is knowing Christ. To know Him. Guys, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we talk a lot about it around here, but this is the North Star for us. This is true North for us. If you hear anything that does not draw you closer to Jesus, then you should call it into question. A few years ago, I went out of state to a pastor's conference. And I was, went to a local church that was hosting this. And I was, I was familiar some with the ministry, but I went with a little bit of skepticism in my heart. Um, and so uh, I, I, I was there. We had had a time of worship. And during the time of worship, a lady that was a member of the church got up. And she took the microphone and she said, for the second time in my life, the Lord, she said, he just came to me for the second time in my life. And and for the second time, he said, whatever you want, whatever you, you can ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. And she said, I knew when he said that I could ask for literally anything. You know, I could ask for all the souls in Africa. I could ask for millions of dollars. I could ask anything, and he would give it to me. And then she said this. She said, and you know what I said? She said, I told him, I just want more of you. There's something so right about that. There's something so pure about that. When I heard that, I knew I could trust. It's not necessarily about all the signs and wonders. Do we want the signs and wonders and the miracles and the display of His power? Yes. Are we going to see more of those things? Yes, we are. But what we want more than that is Him. Sometimes I, I don't even like to talk about His presence. I use that word. I use those words a lot. But I want Him you know, I, I, can be in, I can be in somebody's presence and they could be on the other side of the gym here. But I want to be right on, in his lap. You know, I want to be right next to him. I want to stand right. I want to touch him. I want to taste him. I want to smell him. I want all that he is. I want him. This is true. This is the prize. We set our face on, we, we put our focus on him. Our, our focus is set on the person of Christ. Second Corinthians 11.3 says this. Paul says this, But I am afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity 
and purity of devotion to Christ. All through the theme of Paul's writings is this, a devotion to the person of Jesus. So what is the prize? What I hear Paul saying there out of Philippians, out of his own life, is the prize is the person. Excuse me, the person of Jesus. But I also hear him saying this, saying, I want to lay hold of the very thing for which Christ laid hold of me. So God has come into each one of our lives and he has apprehended us. He's grabbed us and he's grabbed us for a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a destiny in your life. I hope you believe that because the Bible is clear. You can read Ephesians chapter 2 that he's got plans for you that pre he prepared before the foundation of the world for you to walk in. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. So there is a plan on your life. There's a purpose for your life. It also says this out of the book of Acts, that David served the purposes of God for his generation, and then he passed away. He fulfilled those purposes in his generation. I, I want that to be said of me. Tad Smith fulfilled the purposes of God. I want that to be said of you. You fulfilled the call of God on your life and your generation. Then we hear that well done, good and faithful servant, right? Way to go. We cross the threshold of heaven. Jesus is there, right? Or maybe he, we jump up and do the chest bump. I don't know what it'll look like. <laughs> Way to go. You did it. Don't you want to hear those words? Well done. Way to go. You accomplished everything that was in my heart for you to accomplish. What's our, where is our focus supposed to be? On the person of Jesus and on the call that he's placed on our lives. Now let me say this. It's up to you to discover that call. God has it. It's there for you. He's not trying to hide it from you. Remember, He didn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. But it's up for us to seek it out. So what that means is it's not up to the pastor to tell you what your purpose is. <laughs> I can't do that. Do you understand that that's been done too often in church? That's where control and manipulation come from. There's got to be that desire in you to say, God, I want to know. What is it? And, and guys, at least at 52 years old, it's still, the plan is still unfolding. The, it's, you hear what I'm saying? It's still building. It's still growing. As, as I walk it out. And so you got to start somewhere. And, and so ask him, what is, Lord, what is the purpose? What do you have for me? When I started asking that question more specifically and intensely as a young, in, my, in my early 20s, I was in a church, and I've, again, I've said this before, but in a church where it seemed like everybody was doing something, you know, they all had their place. 
Lord, what's my place? Where do I belong? What is it that you have for me? And I began to ask him that. This is what I heard. You can pray. And so when I go back to what I'm called to, <laughs> I'm called first to that. That place of intimacy. That secret place. I'm, this, what I'm doing now as a pastor, that's not what he said to do then. That's what's unfolded. My original and highest call is prayer, is seeking Him. But I, that, that's for me. I know that for me because I sought it out. You do the same. Okay, I think I've said that enough. God's purpose, whenever He reveals your purpose to you, it'll be bigger than you can achieve on your own. If it's not, then I would question whether it's really a call from God. Because he wants us to work in that dependency with him, yeah. right? And so he's going to give you, your purpose is going to be far greater than you can do. Than, than you can, can do. Just, just know that. But God will also reward you for, for, fulfilling, for fulfilling your destiny. He will reward you for that. Paul said, I've run the race. I finished my course and there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness uh, in heaven. And again, uh, we, if we fulfill our purpose, um, we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Wow, okay, I'm almost done. I really am. A couple of things. How do we keep our eyes fixed? What keeps us focused? And what keeps us um, from, 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 uh, from living a focused life. I just want to throw this out. There's probably m multiple things, but let me just throw this out. I want to suggest to you that the chief way that we live focused with our eyes fixed on the prize is that we lay up treasure in heaven. The Bible says... Uh, Jesus says to lay up treasure in heaven where moth doesn't eat, rust doesn't destroy, and the thieves don't steal. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. So when we are, when we are laying up treasures in heaven, the eyes of our heart, our heart follows that treasure. Amen? Our two greatest treasures are time and money. How we spend our time and how we spend our money. In fact, I think it was Floyd McClung that said, if I could, he said, if I could look at your, schedule, your daily schedule and if I could look at your checkbook or your, you know, look at your bank account, I could probably tell where your heart is. <laughs> Those two things in our lives. So this isn't, I'm not, this isn't a, um, I'm always scared that I'm going to be accused, I guess, of milking people for money. I hardly ever talk about money around here, but Jesus talked a lot about it. It's, but it's those two things that are the, the greatest thing that we possess. How do you live your daily life? How is your, how do you spend your time? Is it focused on Him? Are you putting that time towards Him? 
connecting with the Lord and then are you giving your money towards the kingdom the things that keep us from living focused I would say would be one a cynical skeptical chinchy heart where we don't live in wide-eyed wonder with generosity of heart and the past that keeps us from living in all that he has for us Keep your eyes on the prize. What are you focused on, y'all? What, what, are you, what, what is your life focused on, just on a day-to-day basis? Are you focused on Jesus and his kingdom? Are you focused on the purpose that he's called you to? Are you walking that out? That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. If you'll receive this truth to really recalibrate your heart and to focus on him, I really believe that we're in a season where we're going to discover more of his purposes and be empowered to live those those purposes out in a deeper way, in a more fulfilled way. Let's all stand up.